0: and God, our Father in heaven, than we had when we came in today. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Have a seat. I'm so glad y'all are here today. My name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor here. So welcome, Fellowship Asheville. Whether you're in person or whether you're joining us online or whether you're listening later in the week, whoever you might be, uh, we're glad uh, to have you with us today. Here's um, what I've been praying for us for today. Is Today, um, we're going to see something that it's. I'm going to be honest with you from the very get-go. It's a little bit hard to understand. But I think, honestly, it's harder to believe. Um, and so here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that we are willing to believe maybe what we fully don't understand, which is really hard, right? It's so easy to, under, to believe what we understand, which is simply control, right? We want to believe what we can control. But I don't know if y'all know, but God is bigger than our understanding. Right, And so what I'm going to ask us to do is to believe what we see in God's Word, which may be bigger than, than we understand. And so with that, turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52 is what we're going to be going through. And I'm going to pray for us real quick as we do that. Jesus, do help us believe uh, what you show us. Help us believe what we see in your Word. Help us believe uh, what you teach. Help us believe more in you even when we don't understand fully. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now, I want to tell you about something that I'm curious if if you have experienced or if you have seen, um, and it was kind of a big deal before the pandemic, and it's kind of making a little bit of a comeback, and it is this dark room dining experience. Have y'all seen this? Oh, I'm so curious to try this. Um, here's, here's what happens. Um, I was actually talking to a couple who did this um, before the pandemic. They went and visited uh, some family in Europe and did this in Europe. Uh, and by the way, they are in like their late 60s, early 70s. So yay for them. You, you know, so much for you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like they were they were so excited to do this. Because here's what happens. Right, you, you show up to a restaurant, and the, you know, you're greeted in the lobby, just like you would expect, and then you're taking to a table. Now, I've seen it in different ways. I've seen it where it's a big community table, and I've seen it to where it's like a restaurant where you sit at a table with the people that you've come with. But here's what's unique about this restaurant. You'll notice that there's no windows around it anywhere. And what happens is once everybody is seated, all the lights turn off. And I mean like dark room dark. There's no sunlight. There's no light in it whatsoever. And so you have this dining experience completely in the, in the darkness, right? The, the waiters are wearing these night vision goggles like you can see it. And you'll see the, you'll see the, you'll see the night, you know, they have a night vision camera so you can see the, the waiters walking around with these big old night vision goggles passing out stuff. And you see people kind of groping for food. And, and, and what this couple told me, it's the same thing I've heard from, from other reviews too, is, is, that, is that once you get used to the awkwardness of not being able to see, and once you get used to kind of the lay of the land of the table and where the food's going to be and, and all this stuff, they said there's this moment where your other senses just come alive, right? Where, where once your, your, your sight is turned off, your other senses come alive. And they said, they said that, that the smells that they smelled are stronger than they've smelled at any other restaurants, right? Like, Like the food tastes more flavorful than other restaurants. Even though the meals were pretty simple, the flavor was incredible. Right? They said even the texture of things, like, like the, the, the condensation on the glass, the, the silverware, everything had so much more in, in impression. They said the sounds were clear as they, as they bounced around the room. And all this because their sight was turned off for just a bit. And y'all, here's what I hope we understand better and find a way in our hearts and our souls to, to apply this. And it's this. It's that we who can see are more blind than we think, right? And those who are blind can see better than we think. And here's, here's what we're going to do. Now, like I mentioned last week, we're in this middle section of the Gospel of Mark. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. We, we, we've got a couple more weeks, and then we hit Advent. But, but this middle section uh, is the what-if section. Remember, the first section of Mark is the, the, the wow section, where we see Jesus. Uh, the, the question there is, who is this Jesus, right? And, and so we see him with miracles of, of, of power and, and, and like large crowds gathering because he is the Messiah. That's who Jesus is. And then in the second Second section, we see the question shift from who is Jesus to what if Jesus really is the Messiah, right? And so I said, if the first section was, wow, the second section is, hmm, right? Because he keeps talking to his disciples about, guys, this is what the kingdom of God is. You live in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of men, but the kingdom of God is the real kingdom. And this is how this works. This is how this plays out, right? Now, what's interesting is, is the way Mark is, is, is written is, and you'll see this in all the gospel accounts where, you know, one, one gospel writer said, listen, if, well, if, oh, he didn't use the word listen, that's the Fred Baker translation, and I'll just keep going with it. He said, listen, y'all, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did, there's not enough books to contain it. Right, And so, so you, you get this admission from the gospel writers that they're picking and choosing the, the accounts of Jesus to kind of go with the theme of what, they're, what the Holy Spirit has inspired them to write. And, and, and so it's, it's all inspired by God and, and led by God, but, but they don't tell everything that Jesus did. It would take books and books and books to do that. And what Mark did in this section, y'all, it's so cool. Because this section, this what if section starts with Jesus Healing a blind man. And it ends with Jesus healing the blind, healing a blind man. And all between those two accounts in this what if section, you have the disciples being blind, right? The disciples not getting it. Remember when Jesus lays out his plan of salvation, that he is going to go to Jerusalem and die and be crucified. And on the third day, rise again. The disciples rebuke him for that. They argue with each other about it. Their response isn't like people who understand and see, right? He teaches and they don't understand. He marches with them into Jerusalem and they, they are under the impression that he is going there to take over the government. There is confusion. And my point of, 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 of this is that, y'all, like I said, we are the disciples, And we are the blind ones. We are continually groping at the kingdom of the world instead of the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is there to teach us, just like Jesus did the disciples. No, 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 no. This is the kingdom of God. This is the way the world really works, is this way. Not the way that you may see. And what Mark is doing by having a blind man be healed and another blind man be healed in this section of what if, is I think he's lovingly telling us That we need Jesus to open our eyes. We need Jesus to show us what we don't understand. And so let's go into today's text willing to see what we don't understand and to believe what we don't understand, to see what we don't see. Let's see if we can find some blind spots. Look at verse 46. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And so, they, you know, they're, they're, Jesus and his disciples on the way to Jerusalem. Jericho was this common stop on the way to Jerusalem. It's a common city passed through by those who were on their way to Jerusalem for big feasts and celebrations. This is one of them. They're, they're heading there for, for Passover. And, and, and on the side of this commonly traveled road, Mark wants us to know that there is a blind beggar there, right? What's interesting is he's not just blind, he's a beggar, right? Which means, right? He had no one to help him live his daily life. He was he was dependent upon the generosity, the guidance and protection of those who passed by, of anybody who passed by. Now, for him, this was a prime location, right? Because he is with the people heading to church. They're on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate, and so it is a prime location for him to be because he needs the generosity of other people. But notice what Mark does. Mark gives us this guy's name. Not only does he say his name is Bartimaeus, he says he's the son of Timaeus. Now, here's here's what's interesting. This book that Mark wrote, this letter that he wrote was passed around to people who understood the language they understood the culture and so they would understand that bar timaeus means son of timaeus right like that wasn't news to them anytime you see bar in front of a name it means son of and so the question is so why did mark feel like he needed to tell us that bar timaeus is the son of timaeus now it could be that bar timaeus will i mean i don't want to give you any spoilers but but He gets his sight healed and follows Jesus. So it could be that the disciples who are reading this letter knew him. And and he was saying, hey, all this is his story. But I think there's something else here too, especially when you see what Timaeus means. Because Timaeus means dignity. And it means worthy. And so so Bartimaeus is is showing us this contrast that, that the crowd walking by sees a blind beggar. But in the kingdom of God, you see a person who is worthy of dignity. You see a person who is worthy, not just a blind beggar, a person who's worthy of knowing their name. You see, our blind spots, the things that we don't understand, that are hard for us to believe, our our blind spots can leave us thinking that God likes us more than he likes them, whoever them are, right? Because we know that God loves everybody, but it's really easy in our blind spot to think that he likes us a little bit better. Right? especially in a town that we live in where, where it's real easy to see the drugged out and the strung out and the addicted, and, and they're begging for money. It's easy, as, it's easy for us to see them as beggars, but in the kingdom of God, they have dignity. In the kingdom of God, they have worth. In the kingdom of God, they have a name, not just beggar. You see, when when we do this, when we see a person on the side of the road, when we see someone who is other than us, and we play this trick in our mind, that maybe they're there because of the direct consequences of the choices they made. And, And even though that may be true, when we see them differently than God sees them, we've got to take great caution because this line of thinking makes us see a beggar as just a beggar. Instead of a person with the image of God stamped on them and stamped in them. Instead of a person worthy of honor. Instead of a person who has a name. You see, Jesus helps us see the worth of those considered unworthy. When the disciples saw this man, they saw a blind beggar. But Mark wants us to know if you're in the kingdom of God and you, see, and you look at a blind beggar, Jesus can show you more, right? He can show you more than a blind beggar. I see that's funny. <laughs> it's close. I mean, you got it. You got it. You got it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we get to see a person worthy of honor. The kingdom of the world wants us to see a beggar. Right, We have a, a person who, during the warmer months, called our porch home for most of the week. Um, what's fun is there are two people in this church who regularly had conversations with him. And so I heard about these conversations, and it was really fun, because these conversations weren't the conversations of people who saw him as a beggar and someone who didn't have a home. These conversations were from, from people here at this church who they would freak out if I told you their name, so I'm not going to do that, right? But from people here at this church who knew his name and would ask him, hey, man, how you doing today? How you doing today? Wouldn't ask him, hey, how can we help you be unhomeless anymore? How are you doing today? What do you need? How can we pray for you? And from that came these great conversations that you got to see into this guy's heart and see into this guy's history and and understand him better. You see, church, when we see people the way the world sees them, we can make this mistake and think that people are projects. And I I want you to hear me now. People are not projects. right? Can you all say that with me? People are not projects. They are people. And in the kingdom of God, they have worth and they have dignity. And y'all, in Bartimaeus, we get to see a person who's going to preach to us. And this blind beggar is going to be our example of what discipleship looks like. Look at verse 47. It says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, so when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so here's what Mark does, which I think is brilliant, because, because he, he shows us just how much Right? Just how much this blind beggar, as the crowd sees him, sees better than the crowd who sees him. Bartimaeus is sitting by the road, and, and he can hear this crowd coming. And, and I'm sure the conversation was, hey, why is there such a big crowd? What's happening? Ah, Jesus of Nazareth is walking by. Right? You see, the crowd, the crowd gives Jesus his name and his place of birth, which is very true, but it's not the full story Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, sees Jesus for who he is, right? Because he calls him what? Son of David, right? Now, this term is a term reserved for the Messiah. This term is reserved for the Savior that is, coming, that is coming to save Israel. It's reserved for who Jesus is. That the crowd sees Jesus as being from Nazareth, but Bartimaeus sees him as the Messiah, sees him as the Savior, sees him as the one the nation and the world has been waiting for. And so, y'all, this is what's important. Our blind spots, the, the things that we that we don't understand and we don't believe, those things not only keep us from seeing, from seeing other people, not like like us fully, those blind spots keep us from seeing Jesus more fully, right? And here's what Jesus does. The grammar on this one's probably bad too, so all you grammarly people, please figure out a better way to say it. But Jesus helps us see Jesus more fully, right? That's what he does. He helps us see himself more fully. It's where our salvation and sanctification are anchored. Every week, I invite those who don't have a life in Jesus to give their life to Jesus. And that's salvation, saying yes to Jesus in, his, in, in, his, in the power of his death and resurrection to remove the power and penalty from your, of sin from your life. That, that is salvation. And every week, I invite you to say yes to him if you haven't. And then, and then every, that's, that's salvation. Every week, I also ask those of us who have to say yes to Jesus too. Not for salvation, but for sanctification. To understand Him more fully and to let what we know to be true about Him seep into areas of our lives where it hasn't. To let the reality of His kingdom shape the way we see the kingdoms around us. And I do this every week knowing that, praise the Lord, it's not based on my words. And not based on my understanding. But it's based on the power of the Holy Spirit doing what only He can do in this room and weaving in and out of the souls of this room, drawing you and inviting you to come to Him. And then, this is the power of the kingdom of God. It's your choice what to do with it. Right? It's your choice to believe or your choice to walk away. And that's powerful. You get to decide what to do with it. You get to decide if you want to believe or if you don't. If you want to submit or if you don't. If you want to yield your life to him or if you don't. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Y'all, do you remember the rich man from a couple of weeks ago, right, who came up to Jesus and, and, and basically said, You know, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, oh, Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And you remember what he did? He said, oh, yeah, I don't think so. And he went back home. Remember how he wanted to hold on to his wealth. Well, here's what this blind beggar shows us. And throwing off the cloak, here's what he's throwing off to come follow Jesus. A cloak wasn't only his source of warmth and comfort and protection. It was also the source of his provision because what a blind beggar would do is is they would come and sit on the side of this road and they would take their cloak and drape it over their lap and drape it over in front of them. And so that people threw money to them, that's where it would land. And so when he's throwing off this cloak to follow Jesus, he's not just throwing off the source of his protection and warmth. He is throwing off the source of his provision. He is doing what the rich man couldn't. And the change is hitting the road as he's standing up to be taken to Jesus to follow him. And in Bartimaeus, we see a better response than the rich man. In Bartimaeus, we see that he knows how to let go instead of hold on, when the rich guy didn't. But what Mark is going to do is he's going to also show us how to respond to Jesus even better than the 12 disciples and the crowd that are with him. Because look at verse 51. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Right, now here's, here's what's interesting. This is the exact same question that Jesus just asked James and John in the previous section. Remember that section where Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die and rise again, goes through the plan, and they say, here's what we want you to do. Give us whatever we ask for, right? And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? It's the exact same question. And Mark is showing us that what we're about to see is Bartimaeus is going to show us how to respond better to Jesus than even the disciples see at this point. (coughs) Excuse me. Look at the rest of verse 51. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. So he asked to be healed. But what's interesting is, is rabbi is the term that's used in my Bible. Do your Bibles, do your translations have any word other than rabbi? I'm curious. What is it? "Raboni." What version is that? New American Standard. "Raboni" is the right translation. Because here's the difference. Rabbi means teacher, right? Any, any person that's a rabbi kind of gets this title, what this blind beggar does is he says raboni, and raboni means teacher and Lord. So he doesn't only see Jesus as a teacher walking down the street, he sees him as Lord, he sees him as God, he sees him as the Messiah, he sees him in a way that the disciples haven't fully understood to see him yet. Right? See, Bartimaeus saw a Savior worthy of following and left his provision, left his protection to follow the Lord that was calling him to come. Now, here's what's interesting. Because Jesus says this. He says, And Jesus said to him, right? In, In verse 52, And Jesus said to him, Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight And followed him. So, y'all, here's what Jesus does. Jesus helps us to respond in faith to Jesus. Jesus helps us respond in faith, even to Jesus. Right? And Bartimaeus' faith allowed him to see Jesus not with his sight, but with his eyes closed, to see Jesus by faith. And those who could see were easily swayed by what they saw. They saw power and they saw miracles. And they saw a guy who was marching into Rome to kick, I mean, marching into Jerusalem to kick Rome out. Like this was going to be a new day and a new era. And they saw that. And this blind guy, this blind beggar, this Bartimaeus, he looked at him and saw a savior worthy of following. Now, here's what's interesting. We follow what we believe saves us, right? When we can see, we think we know what saves us. And Bartimaeus Bartimaeus shows us that what we can't see with our eyes, we see by faith. And by his example, we see that nothing is worth keeping us away from a Jesus who not only is worthy, but to a Jesus who sees us as worthy. Because we're not only the disciples in this story, we can easily be the blind beggar too. We're in the kingdom of God, we are seen as worthy. You see, he shows us how to follow what truly saves us. And so in light of this, let me ask you this. If we really do follow what saves us, like, do y'all believe me on that? Like, like does that, does that, sound true, that we believe what saves us? Like, if not, let me, let, me, let me give you some examples, and you'd be like, okay, I get the point, right? Let me ask you if what we really follow does save us. Like, anybody a big sports fan in here? Go ahead, and raise your hand, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody own a shirt for that particular sports team that you're a big fan of? Yeah, okay, but where are we going? Before I raise my hand, what am I committing to? Here, here's the deal, like, like, I am not a big sports guy, but I love watching people watch their favorite team, <laughs> right? Because it is, like, mind-blowing to me that I have watched people, this, this just confuses the snot out of me, because I have watched people who didn't go to a college school, root for a college team, like... Like they are on the field. Right? Like they are not a spectator. They are a player. They, they identify with a team. And that's what we do. Like, like, right? Like if our team wins, how do we feel? Great. Right? If our team loses, how do we feel? Ah, oh, what an awful day. Right? Like we follow what we believe saves us because rooting for them seems like it saves us even if only for a little bit. Because when they win, we feel like winning. We feel like winners. And what they save us from is they save us from feeling like losers, right? Because we've got all kinds of areas in our life where we feel like losers, don't we? But if our team wins, they save us. Right? we we follow influencers right on all the on all the things we go this we go this we follow influencers why right right because they show us what's worthy they show us what's worth our time and energy and and money right and in following them we see what's worth our time and what's our what's worth our money and they save us from dedicating our time and money to things that are unpopular unworthy Right? We follow money experts and home management gurus. Why? Because they save us from chaos and they save us from stress. And y'all, all all that's okay. It's okay, but it's not ultimately worthy of following. Right? Because y'all, here's what Mark is showing us through Bartimaeus, that when we see Jesus more fully, we follow Jesus more fully. When we see Jesus for more of who he is and we realize, no, he saves me from this. He saves me from this. He saves me from this. Like we follow him into those areas. We follow the one who sees us as worthy because he is worthy. We follow the one who leads us into life, like real life. We follow the one who's really worthy of following. And so church, let me ask you this. Are you willing to have Jesus show you your blind spots today? You see, those are the places that you don't see. The the same places that you don't see are the same places that you need Jesus more fully. And so are you willing to let Jesus show you more of who he is? So you might be asking, that's great, Fred. How in the world do I do this? Remember last week I talked about thinkers and feelers. I'm a feeler, so just give me some space, light a candle, put on some music. I'm good, right? Not all of you are like that. By the way, I've read a book that I want you to read because you love reading books, right? Thinkers, you love reading books. It's called Blessed Are the Misfits. And it's about how to be an introvert in church. It's good, y'all. It helped me understand. And I'm married to an introvert. I have two kids that are introverts. And he helped me understand what this is like, right? And it's different for y'all. And so for y'all, y'all are wondering, okay, what do I do with this? I don't know. Because I'm a feeler. You're a thinker. You tell me what you do with this, right? But here's what I do know. For all of us, there's truth in what Bartimaeus did, that he was willing to let go and throw his cloak to the side to follow Jesus where he was leading and he was willing to see Jesus as the Savior, not his cloak, not, his, not, his, not his, his source of protection, his source of provision. In Bartimaeus, we see when Jesus called, he got up and he went. And he said yes to him. He released money, reputation, security, whatever it is, he was willing to let it go and let them fall to the ground to follow him. And so we as a church when we declare him our teacher and our Lord, I think we get to do that too. And so what we're going to do, we're going to take communion. And um, uh, Matt, if you'll come on up and play a little ditty for us. And elders, if you'll come up and and take your spot. What? (laughs) Yeah, you can do that. Good, 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 good. Um, um, uh, Here's here's what uh, I want us to do. I want you to take a minute and I want you to think through and pray through like what are areas that you're struggling in? Like what areas rubbed you wrongly? Like rubbed you, what what areas kind of rubbed you the wrong way is what I'm trying to say from this message today as seeing Jesus. Where do you find your, your, your thoughts arguing with who Jesus is? Like maybe that's an area where, where it needs to be surrendered and And let go, and an opportunity for you to see Jesus as more. And so, what we're gonna do is take a minute. I'm gonna give you time to pray and just ask Jesus to show you what you don't see. And come on down, and the elders are going to um, serve you a communion. And then I want you to go back to see it, because we're gonna sing a song that's gonna be a prayer, and then we'll take communion together, right? So, come down, uh, grab the elements from them, let them bless you with that, and then go back to your seats. And when everybody their, uh, has theirs in their hand who wants it, um, we will take it together after a song, okay? So let me pray for us, and we will do that. Jesus, um, I do pray that you will help us to see you more fully. I pray um, that you would work in our hearts and in our minds to do what only you can do and to, to show us, to show us more of who you are so we can follow you more fully. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And there is gluten-free option. Just tell them and they'll get it. Okay. Let's take the elements together. As the elder said, his body broken for you. and His blood shed for you. Jesus, as we continue on in song, do continue to help us to see you more fully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.